This is the World in Brief from The Economist. Our top stories. Nancy Pelosi addressed Taiwan's parliament, where she praised the self-governing island as, quote, one of the freest societies in the world. Ms. Pelosi, the Speaker of the House of Representatives, is the most senior American politician to visit in 25 years. The Chinese government summoned the American ambassador to Beijing to register its anger at the trip and suspended the importing of several Taiwanese goods, including some foodstuffs. It also promised to ramp up military drills around the island and conduct missile tests. Quote, Taiwan is China's Taiwan, said She Feng, the vice foreign minister. Ms. Pelosi's controversial visit is also proving a headache for President Joe Biden. America's Justice Department sued Idaho, alleging that the state's near-total ban on abortion will criminalize emergency medical care protected under federal law. In some circumstances, what states, quote, may characterize as an abortion is necessary, care that hospitals are required to provide to prevent severe health risks to the mother, the Biden administration argued in its complaint. Idaho's law takes effect on August 25th. The Yemeni government and the Houthi rebels who control the north of the country agreed to extend their expiring four-month truce until October 2nd. International peace brokers are still working towards an expanded deal, but settled for the two-month extension amid prevailing mistrust between the two warring parties. The conflict has killed hundreds of thousands and displaced millions. But over the past four months, Yemen has seen the longest period of calm in seven years. America imposed sanctions against Vladimir Putin's reputed girlfriend in a new raft of measures targeting Russian elites and businesses. Alina Maratovna Kabayeva, described by the Treasury Department as having, quote, a close relationship to Russia's president, has already been targeted by Britain and the EU. Separately, French opposition leader Marine Le Pen called sanctions against Russia, quote, pointless, claiming they hurt the West more than Moscow. Uber recorded its first-ever positive quarterly cash flow as the ride-hailing service was boosted by an increase in trips following the pandemic. The company announced free cash flow, defined as revenue from operating activities minus capital expenditures, of $382 million in the three months to June, well above analysts' predictions. Despite the good news, Uber still posted a quarterly net loss of $2.6 billion, partly due to poorly performing investments. Job openings in America fell to a nine-month low in June, a sign that the country's tight labor market is starting to soften. But the number of people who quit their jobs dipped only slightly to 4.2 million, demonstrating that workers still retain the upper hand. Vacancies remain well above the number of unemployed people looking for work, which was 5.9 million in June. Europe's imports of Russian diesel rose by more than a fifth in July, showing the challenge the continent faces in cutting energy supplies from Russia. Imports from the country reached nearly 700,000 barrels a day, an increase of 22% compared with July 2021. The EU has pledged to stop importing Russian diesel by February 2023. And fact of the day, 12.3%. The rate of inflation in Phoenix, Arizona, where prices are growing much faster than in America's other metropolitan areas.
And now, here's a deeper look at the day ahead. Anthony Blinken's Asian Tour America's top diplomat, Anthony Blinken, lands in Cambodia on Wednesday for summits convened by the Association for Southeast Asian Nations. ASEAN events are the epigee of form over substance, yet Mr. Blinken's presence speaks to the growing tussle for influence in the poorer parts of the world between America, China, and even Russia. His Chinese and Russian counterparts from those two countries will also attend the conference. While in Phnom Penh, Mr. Blinken will also meet Hun Sen, Cambodia's long-standing dictator, before flying to Manila to meet Ferdinand Bongbong Marcos, the new president of the Philippines. Yet his trip risks being overshadowed by that of Speaker of America's House of Representatives, Nancy Pelosi, to Taiwan. Ms. Pelosi is reported to be meeting President Tsai Ing-wen on Wednesday. China, aggrieved by Ms. Pelosi's visit, sent fighter jets close to the informal military boundary in the Taiwan Strait on Tuesday. The White House has warned China against saber-rattling. Europe's economies feel the squeeze. Evidence of the effects of rising inflation and faltering confidence in Europe's economies, both exacerbated by Russia's invasion of Ukraine, keeps trickling in. More should come on Wednesday when the European Union's statisticians publish retail sales data for June. On Monday, Germany reported that sales volumes in the EU's biggest economy had dropped by 8.8% year-on-year, the steepest annual fall for at least 28 years. In nominal terms, sales declined by just 0.5% monthly and 0.8% annually, illustrating the squeeze of inflation. Manufacturers are struggling with the slowing demand. S&P Global, a research firm, found their activity in Germany, France, Italy, and Spain slipping below the key threshold of 50 in July, indicating contraction, and at its lowest in all four countries in more than two years. That is choking growth. Europe's economies held up in the second quarter. Euro-area GDP rose by 0.7%. But German GDP didn't grow at all. And early signs about the third quarter are ominous. A Divisive Funeral for Abe On Wednesday, Japan's parliament, known as the Diet, will hold an extraordinary session. The legislators are meeting to discuss, among other items, plans for the state funeral of Abe Shinzo the former prime minister, who was assassinated last month. He will be the second prime minister to be granted a state funeral in post-war Japan. The first was Yoshida Shigeru in 1967. In office, Abe was a divisive figure. His revisionist approach to history, including the downplaying of Japanese atrocities in the Second World War, was especially controversial. He remains a polarizing figure even in death. A poll by NHK, the state broadcaster, found that only around half of the Japanese favor taxpayers stumping up for his memorial. Kishida Fumio, Abe's successor, represents a similarly nationalist, if less contentious, breed of politics. 
He may be better placed than Abe was to pursue their party's policies, such as increasing defense spending and revising the pacifist constitution. But forcing reluctant Japanese to go into mourning may make that harder. A sit-in and a standoff in Iraq Everyone seems to be digging in. Since July 30th, Iraq's parliament has been occupied by supporters of Muqtada al-Sadr, a Shia cleric and politician. They vow to stay until there are changes to the political system, such as shifting Iraq from a parliamentary regime to a presidential one. Mr. Sadr's rivals, meanwhile, have begun organizing counter-protests. This week may bring large demonstrations to the streets of Baghdad. Security forces have so far kept the groups apart, but two of Iraq's most powerful factions are tipping toward conflict. At issue is who will run the state and loot it. Mr. Sater's party won the largest number of seats in a legislative election in October, but he could not muster enough support to form a coalition government that excluded his Shia rivals. He told his MPs to resign, and his opponents have now nominated a candidate for prime minister. Both camps want to control Iraq's $89 billion budget to steer money to their patronage networks and militias. What Mr. Sater could not achieve through politics, he hopes to take by force. Lights, Camera, Axion, Filming in Mexico My curse didn't start in a Mayan temple, begins the trailer for Don't Blame Karma, a Mexican comedy released on Wednesday on Netflix. When her younger sister and high school crush get engaged, Sarah ponders her bad luck. Unlike its protagonist, the movie has had better fortune. The work of Elisa Miller, an award-winning director, it has benefited from Netflix's decision to pump money into a series of productions in Latin America to compete for the attention of the world's 500 million-plus Spanish speakers. Last year, Netflix committed $300 million to original content in Mexico alone. The cash will boost the region's filmmakers and production companies. It should also help promote its cinema more generally. In Hollywood blockbusters, Hispanic characters are often pigeonholed in storylines about organized crime. Homegrown works have a broader range. And as streaming services lose subscribers elsewhere, they may be hoping to strike gold in Latin America. Daily Quiz Our baristas will serve you a new question each day this week. On Friday, your challenge is to give us all five answers and, as important, tell us the connecting theme. Email your responses and include mention of your home city and country by 1700 BST on Friday to quizespresso at economist.com. We'll pick randomly from those with the right answers and crown one winner per continent on Saturday. Wednesday. Which member of the Grimaldi family did Grace Kelly marry? Tuesday. Which 1976 science fiction film was built on the premise that all people must be killed at the age of 30? Finally, 
Here's the quote of the day from Joseph Conrad, who died on this day in 1924. It's only those who do nothing that make no mistakes. That's the world in brief from The Economist, available three times every day of the week. You can also hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, on your podcast app. And subscribers to The Economist have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app to start listening.